You are listening to CKMS News on 102.7 FM, Radio Waterloo. I am Dan Keller, and this show was first aired on February 14th, 2024. As Canada continues supplying military equipment and components to the Israeli government amidst the attacks on Palestinians, the federal government is coming under increased scrutiny. On February 1st, the Nicaraguan government announced they were initiating action against Canada, Germany, the UK, and the Netherlands at the International Court of Justice for supporting the Israeli aggression in Palestine. While the Canadian government has repeated that the equipment sold to Israel is quote-unquote non-lethal, anti-war activists have been challenging the claim, holding protests, and along with opposition MPs, they have been calling for an arms embargo. This show features Rachel Small of World Beyond War discussing the group's activities and the new online map, which highlights locations and production details of weapons companies involved in arming the Israeli military including eight locations in Waterloo Region. CKMS News also discussed accountability and transparency in the Canadian weapons industry with Kitchener Centre Green Party MP Mike Morris. We start the show with the action Nicaragua has initiated at the International Court of Justice. First up is Green Party MP Mike Morris. On February 1st, the government of Nicaragua announced they were initiating action against Canada, Germany, and the UK, and the Netherlands at the International Court of Justice for those countries' support of the Israeli attacks against Palestinians, especially but not limited to the attacks in Gaza. Specifically, Nicaragua argues that these countries are supplying weapons, ammunition, and technology which is facilitating the attacks. And uh, in the statement, the Nicaraguans say Canada could be complicit in a genocide for their participation in these attacks. How do you respond to these charges of Canada being complicit to genocide? Well, I think I'll leave the uh, ICJ to respond to it, Dan. But for my part, where I think the federal government needs to be particularly mindful is around respecting the provisional measures that the ICJ has uh, ordered Israel to take. Um, And then looking at also the reality of our military exports to the state of of Israel. And, you know, that's where, you know, I've called on the Prime Minister to respect our own law when it comes to um, exports of uh, military equipment in this case. And I can share with you more about that, but that's where I think we can, you know, other states may, you know, intervene at the ICJ in this in this way. But for my part, I'm going to stay focused on how we call for some accountability from the federal government when it comes to following our own laws and, and at least allowing for the process that the ICJ has called for to follow. Have you heard from Jolie about, like, have they acknowledged this letter from uh, the Nicaraguan government? I have not had that acknowledgement, no. Okay. Now Rachel Small of World Beyond War. My name is Rachel Small. I'm the Canada organizer with World Beyond War. We're a global movement to abolish war and the military industrial complex. And we work uh, as a grassroots mobilization all over the world and in solidarity with the people at the front lines of military violence. So here in so-called Canada over the past 
few months, we, uh, I mean, alongside all kinds of social movements and alongside many, many thousands of people across this country, we've been very focused on ending Canadian complicity with violence happening in Palestine and with the horrific military violence being carried out by the Israeli state. In a February 1st press release, the Nicaraguan government announced they are initiating action against Canada at the International Court of Justice for complicity in genocide for supporting the Israeli army with military gear. Have you have you heard confirmation of this and, and how do you respond to, to the idea of this charge or this action? I've seen the statement, I've seen some media coverage of it. I think it's fantastic. I, I don't have sort of independent confirmation of what that process will look like or, or how they'll move forward at the International Court of Justice around that. Well, I did see a, a press release just yesterday from the International Court of Justice that Nicaragua has requested official intervener status in the case there. So it, it seems like this is a serious pursuit and that they are pursuing it. Frankly, any country on earth that is putting this pressure on the countries that are playing a key role in arming Israel and, and saying that, look, if Israel is uh, maybe committing genocidal acts, if you're continuing to send weapons to the state that's doing so, of course you're complicit in genocide. I mean, it, it, I think it's, I think it's great that that action is being explicitly pursued at the level of like the highest global court. But frankly, this is something that people all over the world have already noted and are already seeking to hold their countries accountable for. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of the support of the weapons exported from Canada, from the U.S., from Europe. Israel could not carry out the carnage in Gaza that it's that it's doing. Like they are absolutely reliant on the shipment of military goods from outside of the country. And so it is extremely relevant that Canada is continuing to do so. CKMS News asked the Ministry of International Development to confirm that the government has received the letter from the Nicaraguan government regarding the initiating of actions against Canada at the International Court of Justice for Arming Israel. John Babcock, a spokesperson for the ministry, told CKMS News that, quote, Global Affairs Canada has seen the Nicaraguan press release, unquote. He concluded, quote, We are not in a position to comment further on this matter, unquote. In the House of Commons on January 31st, MP Morris questioned the Liberal government about arms exports to Israel. Here is the exchange between Morris and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Speaker, in 2022, Canada sold more than $20 million of military equipment to Israel. Last week, the ICJ ordered Israel to take steps to prevent acts of genocide. As a signatory to the Genocide Convention, Canada is bound by this decision. Our own Export and Import Permits Act also forbids these sales if there's a substantial risk they could be used to violate international law. Given Canada supports the ICJ, will this government put in place an embargo on military exports to Israel? And Trudeau's response? Canada has one of the strongest export control regimes in the world that puts human rights and protection of human rights at the centre of all our decision-making. It has always been the case, and we have been consistent in making sure uh, that we are responsible in the way we do that. We will continue to be so. I asked MP Morris to expand on issues around weapon sales. 
You've called for an arms embargo, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the House. The Prime Minister responded, saying they have safeguards in place and that they'll be following their own rules that they have. Have you heard anything else from anybody else in, in the Liberal government or, or throughout the uh, other parties? Certainly the NDP has been joining us in this, in this call. Uh, but in terms of a response from the government, uh, no. And truthfully, the response that the Prime Minister uh, gave me last week was lacking any substance. What I made clear in the House is that the most recent record we have is of 2022. And in that year, we know that Canada sold more than $20 million worth of military equipment to Israel. We would expect that that has continued in the years since. In the time since, of course, as as you know, the ICJ has now ordered Israel to take actions to prevent acts of genocide. And I noted to the Prime Minister that as a signatory to the Genocide Convention, we too are bound by this decision. But then we also have our own Export and Import Permits Act. And that's where I'd like to see a stronger response from our government, is that in that act, uh, I think Section 7.3 forbids sales if, and then it kind of lists out four different reasons. And one of those is a substantial risk that the sales could be used to violate international law, uh, which is the concern in Gaza uh, right now. And so, to say we have a strong export control regime and then not respond to the exact section of our own law that would, on the face of it, make pretty clear that this is an example where there is a substantial risk and to not then have any kind of constructive response, that's a disappointment. That's where I think we need to continue the uh, the call uh, on a very reasonable measure when it comes to the role that we might have in being complicit in a place where there may be genocide taking place. Responding to NDP MP Heather McPherson, Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie said Canada was only supplying quote-unquote non-lethal weaponry to Israel. What I can tell you is that there's been no weapons sent under my watch and in recent years and None since October 7th. But I did about non-military. I'll just continue. And we have sent, since October 7th, non-lethal equipment, including night vision goggles and protective gears. And that was through Canadian companies. Now, Rachel Small of World Beyond War provides further details on the Canadian weapons industry. When you brought up Canada arming Israel, Minister Jolie just told the House of Commons committee that Canada had not sold weapons to Israel since she took office, and certainly not since October 7th. She says Canada has only provided technology and equipment like night vision goggles. How do you respond to that? It it is incredibly disheartening, frankly, to not only know that the Canadian government is continuing to export weapons to Israel, but also just to see the lengths that that ministers and and other members of the Liberal Party are going to 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 obfuscate what the arms trade looks like. I think a few months ago, it seemed like maybe people were deeply misinformed. And I mean, weapons exports is it it is a complicated regime. It's it's not uh, maybe the most straightforward political issue. But at this point, I don't think we can say the key members of the Liberal Party don't understand the, the continues to export 
uh, weapons and military goods to Israel. I think at this point, what we're seeing is just a real determination on the part of the Canadian government to to confuse the issue. Um, I think it is a sign that they are feeling an enormous amount of pressure around this. I, I can't see any reason why they would be trying to convince the public that they're not arming Israel if they weren't feeling like perhaps we should not be arming Israel right now. That said, I think my most generous assessment is that she's trying to draw some sort of a line between what is a weapon and what is a weapons component. I frankly don't know what she would consider a weapon at this point. I, 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 I maybe, maybe if we were selling an entire fighter jet, she would agree that Canada was arming Israel. But frankly, whether you're selling the entire fighter jet or whether you're selling a piece of the engine or part of the landing gear or part of the missile deployment system, you're selling military goods and weapons to Israel. And I think it belies a real lack of understanding about how the global weapons industry works. If, if you think that what countries are overall exporting to Israel is entire weapons systems versus the components and parts and hardware and software that go into these incredibly complex warships and fighter jets and missile systems, etc. So, I mean, the short answer is it's just frankly not true. Canada has hundreds of active permits right now to export military goods to Israel. And frankly, those figures don't even include probably the much larger amount of, of weaponry that is exported to Israel from Canada via the United States, which Canada doesn't even track or issue export licenses for. So this is this is a big industry and it is largely happening behind the scenes and with a complete lack of transparency of what what is traveling. Quickly, how does that happen through the states? Canada has frankly decided that the specific relationship that it has with the United States is that it does not need to track and report on the weapons parts and components, et cetera, that are exported to the U.S. in the same way that it does to other countries around the world. And it does not track end use. So Canada may export any number of things to the United States, and, and it certainly does, billions of dollars worth of military goods. Um, but the, the story, as far as they're concerned, kind of ends there, not following, well, okay, so we exported this to the United States which then went into so-and-so military good, which the U.S. then exported to, for example, Israel. So it's a bit of a black hole the second it goes from Canada to the United States, which is, is not what needs to be the case under international law. It, it's not what should be the case under the domestic versions of international arms trade laws. Like, there's no justification for having a, a black hole simply because you ship the weapon to your neighbor south before it went to somewhere else in the world. Like I, I don't think anyone can really justify that on any grounds other than this is currently what Canada is doing. Next, MP Morris responds to questions about the impact of an embargo or a genocide case on local companies which are supplying weapons and components to Israel. That's where we don't have a level of transparency. I can't actually verify that that is the case. We, you know, at committee yesterday, Minister Jolie was there and had another question about this. She was a bit vague in terms of what specific military equipment is being exported by Canadian companies. Um, so then to make a direct line between companies in Waterloo Region, the fact is we, or at least I haven't seen that 
Uh, and if others have, I'd welcome them to, to share that. But I haven't seen that level of specificity uh, to have a sense of what that impact might be on our community. We do know and there are other examples where, uh, you know, in London that is e equipping Saudi Arabia, but I haven't seen that same uh, connection to companies in Kitchener or in Water the Region. However, Rachel Small describes the work World Beyond War is doing to bring transparency to the weapons industry in Canada and points to several companies in Waterloo Region which are directly linked to weapons being used by the Israeli military in their explosive aggression in Gaza. One of the campaigns that we've worked really hard on is the Canada Stop Arming Israel campaign where we're pushing for an immediate arms embargo and and as part of that we've been mapping out hundreds of sites across Canada of weapon companies that are arming Israel. It's a really secretive industry so this has been uh, a very challenging project um, but incredibly rewarding because people across the country have been taking that information and holding incredible mobilizations, protests, actions uh, to demand that these companies right in their neighborhoods stop arming Israel. That's kind of one one piece that we've been working on over the past few months. Now, bringing that right to the Waterloo region and locally, I see on this map, I, I misspoke earlier, I see eight locations within Waterloo region that World Beyond War has linked to the, uh, the weapons trade to Israel. What is the, like, the potential impacts locally of these industries with the charge of complicity and genocide or just generally in the in the war economy. Kitchener-Waterloo, of course, likes to consider itself sort of a, a, a tech hub, and it certainly is, and that has made it a place that is particularly desirable to some, to some weapons companies, absolutely, it, which, which is a very high-tech industry. I mean, the companies in that area range from companies like Raytheon, where, where frankly, I'm, I'm not sure what that Raytheon facility in Kitchener Waterloo is doing. I cannot sort of be certain that that facility specifically is producing something that's exported to Israel. But if you look at Raytheon globally, this is one of the companies that is providing the most number of, of missiles and the explosives that are directly resulting in many, many thousands of Palestinians being massacred. And then you have companies like Magellan Aerospace in, in Kitchener, and I know that there was a blockade last week at one of their factories at that Kitchener facility that, that some folks had, had carried out to stop the morning shift from coming into work. And I mean, that specific facility is where Magellan produces materials as part of its F-35 uh, supplier contract. So the F-35 is Lockheed Martin's sort of most modern and infamous fighter jet, and it is absolutely being used currently to, to terrorize Gaza. So this is a facility that supplies parts to the F-35 and therefore is directly linked to the violence that's happening on the ground in Gaza. Some of the other facilities in, in Waterloo play more of like a software or a tech role. Others are Frankly, it's, it's hard to know exactly what happens at all of these facilities. It's taken many, many, many hours of research and, and spreadsheets and the kind of daily grudge of, of sorting through government documents to try to figure out what on earth is happening. But all of these companies, 
either at that specific site or or via other sites in Canada. Aspects of that, that company's operations are directly on Israel. Do you know if there would be any legal implications on right down to a worker in any case of complicity in genocide? We're really pleased to work very closely with Labor for Palestine, with Labor Against the Arms Trade, with organizations that are 100% focused on working with workers on worker-led solutions to this. I mean, the workers are not the enemy here. People, my experience engage, you know, over many years of doing anti-war work and, and engaging with workers at these plants is that all of them would absolutely rather be working somewhere where they're producing goods that are contributing positively to society. I mean, we've, we've engaged with lots of folks just a bit further west in London, Ontario, around the GDLS plant there, which produces billions of dollars of LAVs, essentially small armored tanks. And we're, we're constantly told that, of, of course, they would rather be making public transit vehicles, vehicles to fight forest fires, things that their factory could easily be retooled to do. They have the skills that could be producing things that are not weapons of war, and they would vastly rather be doing those other things. But this is where they're at. So, I mean, what we're pushing for is a just transition for workers to not be producing weapons that are part of committing genocide. In Israel, frankly, these weapons are, there's not really excellent uses of them in other parts of the world that can be held up as, as much ethical. Like these are weapons of war and, and the people who are killed with them all over the world would call them deeply ethical uh, products to be made by any workers anywhere. What I will say is that there's a lot of power in knowing that it's not sort of something happening way over there, but that in our community, our workers who are part of this process, that also means that we can interrupt this process. When we find out, oh, wait, these are our weapons and parts that are traveling kind of on our highways, like on the far one right in my house, or are being made in, like, in some cases, like nearly in your backyard. These are points of intervention and places where we can sort of take power. Um, as individuals, as small groups, and like collectively across the whole country. And that's what we've really seen over the past few months is many, many dozens of direct actions. And I mean, hundreds and hundreds of protests, but even specifically direct actions to interrupt the flow of weapons to Israel um, have been happening en masse from coast to coast. And it's it's been really incredible to see. And I mean, for example, at some of the weapons blockades that that I've been part of here in, in the GTA, especially, We've engaged with the hundreds of workers coming into work as we're blocking the entrances to their factory. And it's been great to have these conversations with them and, and great to chat. And, and almost 100% of the conversations I've had with these workers are folks saying, yes, it's absolutely terrible what is happening. We should not be arming Israel. I agree with you. When you mention the sometimes right in your backyard, I zoomed into the image a bit and it's like within a kilometer, kilometer and a half of my house, there's a you know, a weapons manufacturer. And I think that will be true for most people in, in town when I, uh, when I look around this map. So it is integrated within the community. Finally, I asked Rachel Small about upcoming World Beyond War actions and the importance of public pressure on politicians in anti-war movements and how folks could continue pressuring the Canadian government around the violence in Gaza. 
stay tuned. These action weapons companies are not going away. They're ramping up. There are going to be many, many, many more within the next few weeks, and, uh, and we'll be really excited to, to announce them, but, but we can't do so ahead of time. One more thing that I, I did want to mention is that I mean, for anyone who's been showing up to Palestinian solidarity rallies and actions and so forth across the country, there are many really important demands here. Many are visionary, many are just like a, based in like really important, yeah, visions of justice and, and peace and liberation. I want to say that the demand for an arms embargo is frankly not a radical demand. This is happen immediately. Like it's not sort of a difficult policy thing like literally the foreign affairs minister Melanie Jolie has the legal authority and responsibility for that she can literally enact an arms embargo on Israel today um so that is something that no one should seek to sort of overcomplicate or make it seem like a study would need to be undertaken. Absolutely not. It can be enacted immediately and unilaterally by Canadian officials. And this is a process the Canadian government has done many times. Like just in recent years, Canadian officials did halt arms exports to a bunch of countries following human rights abuses, including Turkey, including Russia, including Belarus. Um, I mean, Canada even had a two-way arms embargo in Israel in, in the 80s as a response to Israeli violence against Palestinians. So this particular demand for an immediate arms embargo, there's absolutely no reason why it could not or should not be enacted in Israel today. The only reason is a lack of will on the, on the part of the liberal government to do so. And and frankly, we've we've shown that uh, the incredible mobilization and pressure enacted by people across Canada rising up over the past few months can absolutely change what the Liberal government wants to and 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 will do. And for them to have voted for a ceasefire at the UN a couple months ago, that was something that no one would have thought was, would have been possible just a few months earlier. Canada has only voted with Israel in the past few decades, but the immense pressure they felt from social movements across the country meant that they voted otherwise. And and frankly, I, I think that we are going to win an arms embargo. We can keep up that same sort of pressure across the country. You've been listening to interviews with Rachel Small of World Beyond War and Kitchener Centre Green Party MP Mike Morris, focusing on Canada's secretive weapons industry, including companies in Waterloo Region, and the new map World Beyond War created to help bring some transparency to the issue. The interviews also covered the call for an arms embargo against Israel and the February 1st announcement from the Nicaraguan government that they will be initiating action at the International Court of Justice against the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Germany, and Canada. On February 12th, a Dutch appeals court ordered the Dutch government to stop selling most F-35 fighter jet parts to Israel over concerns that the, quote, exported F-35 parts are used in serious violations of international humanitarian law. Unquote. CKMS News asked the Ministry of International Development to confirm that the government has received the letter from the Nicaraguan government regarding the initiating of actions against Canada at the International Court of Justice for arming Israel. John Babcock, a spokesperson for the ministry, told CKMS News that, quote, Global Affairs Canada has seen the Nicaraguan press release, unquote. He concluded, quote, we are not in a position to comment further on this matter, unquote. I am Dan Keller for CKMS News on 102.7 FM Radio Waterloo. 
Thank you for tuning in. This program is part of the Local Journalism Initiative and is funded by the Community Radio Fund of Canada, Heritage Canada, and the CKMS Newsroom. Check out the archived versions of this program on radiowaterloo.ca slash news. If you want to get in touch with comments or ideas about stories to cover, email us at news at radiowaterloo.ca.